What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Locked on Bucks. And today, as we like to do often, we're just going to marvel at the greatness of Giannis so far. I was on my computer this morning. I was flicking through some of the numbers at Eurobasket, and it is truly insane stuff. And then we're going to look ahead uh, to the game with Germany uh, tomorrow, which brings us back to a conversation we loosely started the other day. Dennis Schroeder, he's having a lovely tournament for Germany, but he doesn't have a home in the NBA. Why is that? And do the Bucks need him? We'll get back into that and more. Let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Locked on Bucks, I'm your host, Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show daily and also find uh, some other work over at ESPN. Alongside me from the Bucks Radio Network, just starting to get himself warmed up for preseason basketball in three weeks. It's Justin Garcia. And, uh, of course, we thank you for making Locked on Bucks your first listen of every day. And uh, you guys and girls are really doing that in the last week. Our last three podcasts... Uh, all post-game pods from Eurobasket, but they're in our top five now of uh, YouTube all time. I've been on YouTube for about a year, so it's been a massive week. We appreciate everyone, even if you're listening on the old audio platform because you don't want to look at me. Uh, I don't blame you for that, but we appreciate everyone listening. It's it's great. Everyone's fired up for the Eurobasket. Justin, you guys in, in the US, you're getting some afternoon basketball action this game against Germany. I believe the tip-off is 1.30 central time. Uh, it's going to be fun, unless, of course, you are working through the toils of Monday to Friday life and afternoon basketball is not favorable. Yeah, no, uh, it's been fun so far with the with Eurobasket. And it's uh, I mean, it's it's basically like what you have for NBA, where it's That's right. uh, it's these times, uh, whether it's late morning or early afternoon, like um, today's uh, is going to be, as you pointed out, like that's been the nice part is it. uh it's like your version of the NBA, and it's kind of like the NCAA tournament as well, only there's more of a rooting interest in Giannis than I think there is in the Badgers or uh, Marquette around here. Yeah, so, uh, you know, the 4.30 tips, 4.30 a.m. tips are uh, starting to get a little bit old, but I'm actually, uh, you know, I always had a lot of respect for our friends over in Europe, but uh, I'm, it's like the opposite for me. I feel like uh, our European friends uh, during the NBA schedule, which is, uh, yeah, wouldn't be fun. But we know there's a lot of dedicated people out there that still don't miss a Bucks game, which is uh, insane to me. Before we get to this Germany game, though, I'll tell you what else is insane to me, and that is the tournament that Giannis is putting together. Leading the tournament is scoring per game, 29 points per game uh, at this point. And we know, you know, shout out to our great friend, Frank Madden. He's been desperate for Giannis to get over the 30-point-per-game mark in an NBA season. Will he do it in Eurobasket? Hopefully a few games to go. But the thing that's even more ridiculous about this is he's playing 27.9 minutes per game, which in my very rough and quick math, which someone will uh, correct me if I'm wrong, there's no doubt about that, that comes in at a cool 37.4 points 
per 36. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty good. It's, it's like the 2019 <laughs> season for him only better. And, um, yeah, I mean, you can put me in that camp too. We talked about it on one of the shows over the summer about what, uh, can Giannis do to get the third MVP. And, uh, I don't think anybody wants to see it as much as Frank, but I'm there as well. Like just get to 30. I know we rounded up last year, but that's really the only thing that's left for him to accomplish is a second championship and a 30 point per game season. And if he's doing this in, in that amount of minutes, and granted, the level of competition is a little different, but uh, I'll certainly take that as some momentum going into the season. Yeah, no question. So one thing that he hasn't got, and we've said this, the one thing that he hasn't got is a scoring title in the NBA. We know he was pretty close and certainly in the mix for that last season. So, you know, who knows, uh, projecting ahead to the NBA, but... Oh, it has been fascinating. There was always the question, well, what is Giannis going to do in the FIBA game? Uh, is Greece going to have the personnel around him that will help maximize what he's able to do at this point in time, and particularly with Greece playing so well, he's in line for potential MVP of this tournament. Uh, but I had a few YouTube comments yesterday, and it's been interesting to follow along with these and learn more about the Greek team and the Greek players. Uh, but... The question I asked was, is uh, do Greece need a secondary score? Do they need a guy that they can heavily lean on? Because they don't really have it. There's about five or six guys that have been contributing and, and chipping in. But an early YouTube commenter said, well, this Greek team is, and maybe there's a bit of home cooking here on this comment, but they said this Greek team is is great. They would be in medal contention without Giannis. And I had to I, I had to pull the brakes up on that one. I think this is a pretty good Greece team. I think they've got contributors right up and down, and that's why they're in the mix for a medal. But let's not kid ourselves. If Giannis isn't playing on this team and adding his 30 points per night on insane efficiency, getting to the line more than 10 times a game, they're not winning a medal. This is still Giannis doing an incredible amount of the heavy lifting here, even if he is only playing 28 minutes. Yeah, it's um, it's basically what we saw... Uh, I, I guess you could go as far back as uh, as the spring and that series against the Celtics where you you saw just what his talent level is. And, and we knew that. But to see it again against a team that we knew was the best or second best team in the Eastern Conference, depending on how you viewed the Bucks, and to see a Bucks team that was what they were at the end of the season with no Chris Middleton, and uh, looking at that Celtics team and seeing that the Bucs took them to seven games, it is almost entirely because of Giannis, especially when you factor in the offensive struggles for guys like Bobby Portis and Grayson Allen that you were, you know, knowing the defense wouldn't be there, they'll at least help us out offensively, that it's it's nothing new. And, and he's doing the same thing with the Grease team. Um, and I think the most encouraging thing, and again, this is something that we saw throughout the course of not only this past season, but the last few seasons, the most encouraging thing is uh, how we continue to see the mid-range develop in these games with him. And he just looks much more comfortable taking pull-up, not even threes, but pull-up mid-range jumpers near the free throw line. And a couple of times that we've seen that Dirk one-legged uh, fadeaway jumper as well, he's not going to be mistaken for one of the best mid-range players in the game. But as long as it's something that you can't just write off and say, like it was three years ago, four years ago that, you know, we know this guy can score around the basket, but that's it. He's no longer that. So as long as that keeps getting better, uh, that's the most encouraging part from, from what we've seen through the summer for Giannis to me. 
47 for 57 from the free throw line as well. So that's up around 82%, which we know, uh, look, we're, you know, we're not going to uh, jump to any conclusions here. We've been here before over the course of the last few years, but it's it's nice. Uh, I saw a few people comment that, you know, the FIBA rules, there's less time to shoot the free throws, change his routine. But we saw this last year. The one dribble uh, gets it up there in five to six seconds. So, look, it's at least been encouraging uh, to see him shoot the ball uh, well from the free throw line. It's an interesting comparison you made with the the Middleton situation gone in that Boston series. So I want to come back to that after I talk about betonline.net. I spoke about betonline.net on yesterday's show uh, with pro and college football starting to uh, to hit its stride, getting going. Then you can find all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. If you think the Packers, Packers I should say, can bounce back next week, uh, go check the odds at betonline.net. And there's futures there, uh, potential NFL uh, Super Bowl uh, winners there as well. And uh, NBA, I mentioned it, only three weeks away roughly until the preseason. So go to betonline.net and find all your uh, NBA odds, whether it's the division, conference, MVP, which we've spoken about on this show. Uh, go to betonline.net today using your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. That's BetOnline where the game starts. Uh, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Giannis, which NBA player moves the betting line the most this season? Locked on and BetOnline odds makers present the NBA Top 50 most valuable players starting on September 19. Find it on Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. And speaking of the most valuable players, Justin, maybe we're a little bit biased, but I don't think it's a conversation. The most valuable player is Giannis, but you brought up the comparison with the Boston series uh, to this Greek team now. So I think you're right. I think we were watching that series against Boston. And we were saying, geez, we know what Giannis is going to do. He's going to get you 35 points per game. We know what Giannis is going to do in this Eurobasket tournament. He's going to get you 30, but who is the second guy uh, mentioned on yesterday's podcast? Someone like Nick Kalathis, if he's knocking down the threes has proven to be a valuable secondary scorer. Tyler Dorsey, another player in there. Slukas has had some great moments. So there's a number of guys there, but you're just not sure who it's going to be. Now, does that matter? I think no, if they're shooting, if they're knocking down the threes. But in that game yesterday against the Czech Republic, they needed every bit of Giannis in the fourth quarter, including the threes that he hit, because overall the team shot 30% from three, and that's still a vulnerability. And as I joked, uh, Giannis probably used of uh, some uh, teammates below average threes, <laughs> below average three point shooting in Team, big games. Yeah, teammates, teammates not hitting outside shots in a tournament yes. format. Yeah, he's seen enough of that. Um, so a question I have for you, though. So I mentioned Nick Kalathis, and I was in some discussion with listeners uh, after yesterday's show because inevitably the conversation comes up that, gee, this Greek coaching staff is uh, using Giannis better than they do in Milwaukee. And I kind of, look, I mean, to me, and I, I've, yeah, whatever, people, I've got a reputation. I'm a Bud defender. That's fine. I, I think Bud's a good coach. Uh, but I'm not necessarily seeing that they're really even using him all that differently anyway. I mean, he's got the ball in his hands a huge amount of the time. Is he getting touches in the post a little bit more? Maybe. I don't know. I don't think it's I don't think there's a huge 
difference there. You made the point that he's looking to score from different areas on the floor. So how much is that coaching? How much is that development in Giannis's game? I'm not necessarily, and it's not a knock on the on the Greek coaching staff, by the way, but I just, Giannis is Giannis at this point. He's dominating the way that we've seen him dominate in other games. But the big difference is that Nick Kalathis is genuine, uh, genuinely a pass-first point guard. So maybe Giannis gets some different looks in that regard just for the skill set of Kalathis. And I was thinking about it. Giannis has really never played with a pass-first guy like that. Um, yeah, I mean, unless you were uh, completely ignoring the greatness of uh, Kendall Marshall, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's basically, uh, that's been the, the list of point guards when you think about it through here. Um, Eric Bledsoe was, uh, was not your pass first, uh, point guard, the, the traditional sense, uh, even Brandon Knight was the guy that was, um, a basically a two guard that was playing point guard. And now uh, drew holiday. We've said the same thing about uh, since his arrival that Giannis has never really had that guy. Um, I mean, you make the, the Kendall Marshall joke, but even the guys that back him up um, back the, the reserve point guards that the bucks have had have kind of been a similar role as well. I mean, look at George Hill and, and not just this past year, but his first stop here, George Hill wasn't, you know, your traditional point guard per se. So it's, it's been something that's kind of evaded him certainly in his NBA tenure Um, to go back to the point you made about the Greece national, the Greek national team and uh, Giannis's usage there. um, I agree overall with what you said. And I mean, I'm certainly uh, been accused of it and guilty of it, of being a bud defender as well. I think the big difference is, um, you know, number one, uh, as we've seen through the years, it's just not Bud and his coaching style to exploit mismatches. And I think that's probably the biggest thing you would point to with Giannis and trying to get him onto different guys and not just Giannis, but especially with him. But with his Greek team, too, I mean, you know, you made the point of just how good he's been in this tournament he's the best player in, in the tournament, in Eurobasket. And I mean, it's not the level of play in the NBA. So to me, it's more so of a, we have the best player in this tournament and with the talent pool in this thing. Yeah. It's not a bad talent pool, but far and away, we have the best player that that makes up for a lot. So just go score and go do what you want. I I agree that I don't really see a whole lot that's different as, as much as it's more so than at the NBA level, just saying, hey, Giannis, just go beat this team. Yeah, and again, this is a this is a, a point I referenced last week because it's not it's not disrespectful to these teams who clearly have high level players that have play that play in Europe, whatever it is. But there are just straight up some guys that you see trying to defend Giannis, and you're just like, look, this, this there is just no hope. There is absolutely nothing they can do at this point. And by the way, there's only a handful of guys that can do it in the entire world. So yeah, that's no knock on those guys. Giannis is just different at this point. But what about the idea of Giannis with a pass first point guard? It, so we know a couple of years ago, there was the uh, flirtation with the idea of Chris Paul. And there was some reports out there that suggested maybe he wasn't really into that idea. Uh, but it would be, if you really want to, because there's all there's always this talk, well, play Giannis off the ball, use him as a screener, and, and that's fine. 
and they've had great success with that and improved success with that as they've been more willing to try different things with Giannis, I think, over the last couple of years. But it is at least interesting as a thought to wonder, uh, potentially in the future, what could be unlocked if he does play with, you know, now Chris Paul's obviously the elite of the elite, but uh, a guy that is looking to to set set guys up perhaps more so than uh, the guys they've had in the past. Brogdon, obviously another player that um, they can all handle the ball, but a lot of the time scoring is probably what they're better known for. Yeah, I guess it's it's the one thing that's left to to really see. And um, you know the 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 funny part is like Chris Paul, we could point to for years, and and obviously he's still active. But uh, with how the game has changed in the last ten years, it's been much more rapid. But really, for the last twenty years, it's started to evolve more and more. That with how this has become positionless basketball. Uh, there's just fewer and fewer of those guys that you you can't be one-way players anymore. It's not to take away from just being your traditional point guard and a guy like Chris Paul is not a flawed offensive player, but you can't be that one-dimensional anymore where he's a guy that's going to set guys up and and not so much shoulder the scoring load and maybe a defense we didn't talk about as much. You have to be more well-rounded that if if you are a one-dimensional guy, you have to really be elite. And in terms of, you know, playmaking, that's kind of um, – it's not quite as common where you see guys that are, hey, he's just an elite playmaker and maybe he's not going to score a whole lot. You don't really have that anymore. So I think that's kind of starting to go the way of the dinosaur that we don't really have very many of those point guards left anyway. No, and if they are there, they are giant point guards and a couple of my Australian friends, uh, Ben Simmons won. Um, And again, uh, you talk about a flawed offensive player in certain aspects, but certainly elite passer. Um, The idea of Giannis playing with Ben Simmons is pretty interesting when you combine the size, the defensive stuff that they, they would be able to do. So that would be interesting. And then the other Australian that came into the league last year that, again, is probably a past first guy, you know, Josh Giddy type uh, as well. So, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know where it lies because it does lead me to the next conversation. And as we look ahead to uh, this game against Germany and uh, don't want to look too far ahead, but we've spoken about it a few times. The draw has opened up a little bit. Jokic and Serbia obviously upset uh, in their first knockout stage game. And this German team has been pretty good. And there's a number of NBA guys uh, on the roster fronts. Wagner, uh, Wagner, I think, is having some ankle problems, I think. So I think he's under a little bit of a cloud for this game. We'll see if he plays. Uh, maybe there's some news by the time people are watching this. But Dennis Schroeder is the other one. Frank briefly spoke about him towards the back end of a podcast a couple of days ago. But he's a leading scorer, 19 points per game. Having a pretty good tournament. Uh, doesn't have an NBA home. Now... I would say, based on the conversation we just had, uh, he fits more of the score-first guard as well rather than a traditional point guard. But he is a guy that's attracted some interest for obvious reasons. He's probably one of the higher-quality players that doesn't have a home in the NBA. Are you surprised by this? And are you intrigued by the idea of a Bud Schroeder reunion? I'm mildly surprised, I suppose, just because there's a number of um, 
bad to fringe level playoff teams at Dennis Schroeder. I mean, that was us with the Bucks for years and years in the early 2010s and, and prior to butt arriving where Dennis Schroeder is one of those guys that still has name value that you talk yourself into, well, he can get us to 40 wins or, or to 39 wins and we can fight to get to the bottom end of the playoffs. Um, am I intrigued by him at all? No. And I think the big thing with me is, um, you know, we touched on, you can't be one dimensional and Dennis Schroeder is a one dimensional guy. I've seen a lot of um, Bucks fans. Cause it seems to be very polarizing with this name specifically that um, a lot of Bucks fans that are against it have pointed to, well, look at Dennis Schroeder's previous stops and what's happened with those teams. Sometimes that can be an unfair assessment that there's more going on that we know of. Uh, but the more it starts to pop up that the team success isn't there, you do have to take that into account. For me, though, I'm just not intrigued by it because of the defensive end. He's a six foot one, basically shooting guard that's playing point guard. And uh, he's a guy that, you know, throughout his career and certainly the last few years, though it's tapered off a little bit, it's been a heavy usage guy. And you know, it's it's all well and good to say he can help you juice the bench, but he's going to have to play some minutes with Giannis and or Chris and, and Drew even with the two-point guard lineup that we've seen Bud employ. And I just don't want Dennis Schroeder with the ball or Dennis Schroeder getting that usage over Giannis or Chris Middleton. And that, to me, is what presents the biggest issue with him. I know it's easier to obtain Dennis Schroeder since – he's a free agent than a guy like say Jordan Clarkson, who's another one that's uh, kind of become the apple of Bucks fans eyes with the trade machine saying, well, these two guys would trade for Jordan Clarkson. It's kind of the similar um, argument and discussion I'd make for him though. If you made me choose one of the two, I'd be more inclined to take Jordan Clarkson, but still the high usage, heavy scoring uh, point guards that, that don't really bring a lot defensively at this point, it, it just doesn't interest me with this team. Yeah, so the reason why, as you pointed to, that you know I'd, I'd be fine with it is because I think that the biggest question mark about the roster right now is the backup point guard spot because we don't know what you're going to get from George Hill. And I understand he's a guy that has fallen out of favor with a yeah. large percentage of, of the fan base, but we need to see whether he's healthy and see what he has in the tank. And then I think you know J- Javon Carter, to this point, how much development does he have? I know he was a, a popular guy towards the back end of last season. But yeah, we'll see whether he is a guy that by the end of the season has locked down legitimate backup minutes on a title contender. I'm not convinced. So Schroeder, to be able to just get him for nothing, a guy that you know is an NBA player, uh, I understand why that's attractive. Interestingly, going back to the Chris Paul conversation, because if you look at Schroeder across the course of his career, he's been a scorer, uh, not necessarily an efficient scorer, not an efficient finisher at the rim. Not a great three-point shooter, but he had one really, really, really good season where he was efficient. He was finishing at the rim. He was 53% on corner threes. He was playing alongside Chris Paul. So it's it's interesting. You know, if you think about his skill set, and there's always, a, I think, a, an idea or a desire with the Bucks based on what we've seen in the postseason that they need more scoring. They need a guy that can get you 20 points in a playoff game. Uh, I, I, to, I kind of agree. I'm just not sure whether he is that guy. But given the fact that he's, he could be picked up for for nothing 
and you don't have to give anything away. You don't have to lose Grayson Allen, who I still think is an important player to this team. And that's why it's attractive because you're probably not getting a player that can score like he can um, anywhere else for nothing at this point. Yeah. Um, and, you know, look, if it comes down to really a couple of names on, you got to look at the, the number of players that are on the roster and, and who's going to be in those minutes. So as of this moment right now, would I rather have Dennis Schroeder on the floor for, let's assume 10 minutes, 15 minutes, somewhere in that range, hopefully, maybe more, but hopefully it's around 15 minutes in the playoffs. Uh, then George Hill, sure. Uh, then Jordan Wara, yeah, I would. I would just, I think we know what's out there, but I would, I still wouldn't jump to make that that move just yet. No, I think there's plenty of time uh, to get to that point. And you mentioned his defense. So, yeah, Frank had similar thoughts to you the other day, and there was significant pushback about what he can do defensively. There's a lot of people that you know like what he can do on the defensive end. I think size is, I think, I think it's you know, ultimately in today's NBA, once you get to the postseason, um, the size is just a, a limiting factor. It just is. Uh, there's there's no real uh, way around that. It's not necessarily a lack of effort, um, but it can be difficult when it gets there. Hey, just before we wrap this up. Uh, a friend, uh, we should we have to say once they're on the podcast a couple times, which this man has, uh, is uh, definitely a friend of the podcast, polarizing figure among Bucks fans, George Carl <laughs> into the Hall of Fame, along with Del Harris and also Larry Costello. Who, by the way, only two two championship coaches in this franchise history. Larry, one of those, and uh, uh, our friend Mike Budenholzer, the other one. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up all of them because I saw a lot of George Carl mentions, but um, not a whole lot of Larry Costello mentions, just kind of a, oh, by the way, Larry Costello got in, and, and Del Harris for that matter. But um, Larry Costello is still probably Bucks fans of a certain age um, remember him and, and honor him and, and give him the credit he deserves. But by and large, he probably still does not get the credit he deserves in this franchise's history for uh, those years, not just the championship year, but really the guy behind, in terms of coaching, the the heavy era of success that they had in the early seventies. So, congrats to uh, to all three of them, and to Costello's family, and Del Harris, and to George Carl. Yeah, no doubt, and uh, it's always pretty fun as the checking out the Manu Ginobili speech, which is which is fun, and it's kind of interesting now that. We're at this age, Justin, where we look at these players and we're like, hey, I actually remember watching your entire Hall of Fame career, which is like, it just means that we're getting old, but uh, but it is pretty fun. I just uh, want to see who the next player is that has the Jordan speech. Uh, what do you think? I think the easy, well, I think the easy comparison would have been Kobe to just come out yeah. and uh, and have that, but uh, I don't, I don't think anybody else can after you saw the greatest of all time and how he approached that. But one can hope. James uh, Harden, Le- we'll say. LeBron is uh, one day well, if he if he ever stops playing, he might uh, he might still be playing for a while yet. But you know, I know you're trying to wrap it up, but uh, just to double down on the the Dennis Ruder thing to get back to it. I think a lot of times he can be classified as bad defensively when it's probably not the case. He's just not a plus defender, but to me, it's more of look at the opponents and look at the teams that you're going to be matching up with that theoretically you think you're going to have to get past in the Eastern conference. There's a lot of size, not only in the backcourt on the wing. And those are guys he's going to get switched on to. 
And that's what gives me the most concern where I would have major pause for him. That I think he can be adequate defensively in the right spot, but in those situations, he's probably not going to succeed. No, I think it's fair. And we saw it uh, last year with, yeah, maybe a less than 100% healthy George Hill finding himself on Jason Tatum on a few possessions and those types of things. So yeah, it's, it's just at that size, it's, it can be really difficult. But I would still be surprised based on what we've seen in this Euro basket if he doesn't find his way uh, to an NBA roster because uh, he can clearly play and has has for a while. So uh, we'll see. But uh, as I mentioned yesterday, hopefully he has a terrible game against Greece today and Greece uh, keep on rolling through this tournament. We'll have a post-game pod after that. Also check out the Locked On NBA podcast. Uh, maybe they're talking about Dennis a little bit uh, around the league. Maybe they're talking about Larry Markkinen who put up 40-something, 43 the other day for Finland. So he's been on fire as well. Was he a part of, is he with the Jazz now? Is he? Or, I think that's right. He was a part oh, of yeah. that. Yeah. Well, Utah's going to want to trade him. He's too good. But they don't want him on the roster. He's about to have a breakout season. But anyway, we'll be back after the Greece and Germany game. Uh, thanks again for all the support. The subscriptions are coming in. We're up to 4.1 on YouTube, so keep those ticking over. And uh, we'll speak to you guys after the game.